Jesus said in Luke that he was forbidden to eat the Passover meal with his disciples. And the reason he was forbidden to is because he was going to die during the Passover meal. And it's hard to celebrate it while you're dying. And so what he did is he celebrated an early Passover. He basically celebrated Passover a day early with his disciples, which is breaking the rules in a whole lot of ways. But he broke the rules in other ways uh, during, the, during the meal as well. And so it's Thursday, the day before the normal Passover. He's with his disciples celebrating. And uh, a couple of the things that I wanted to mention about that Last Supper, which is where we get communion from, because Jesus took essentially the Passover feast that was part of the Old Covenant and used it to move into the New Covenant. And that's why we do the Lord's Supper. And so in the Old Testament, yeast or leaven, leaven is the fancy word for it, yeast, represented sin. Yeast represented evil. And so bread without yeast was holy. So bread without yeast, unleavened bread, came to represent God. And this I thought was really cool. So uh, this started after the original Passover. So Passover was like Egypt, right? And God said in order to be protected from the judgment that's coming upon this place, anybody remember what the judgment was? Death of the firstborn of every house. And so the angel of death was coming, and the firstborn of every house was going to die. That was the judgment of God, and God said there's a way out. And here's what you do. You sacrifice a lamb, and you spread the blood of the lamb on the doors and the uh, lentil of the house, and the angel of death would pass by. And that was, of course, foreshadowing Jesus, who was the lamb of God. In the, in the New Testament, the most common metaphor used for Jesus is lamb of God. He's called the Lamb of God. So they understood him right after his resurrection, I think. They figured out immediately. That's who he is. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Passover Lamb. Now, John foresaw it. When he first saw Jesus coming to be baptized, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And throughout the New Testament, we hear Jesus called the Lamb of God because he is the Passover Lamb, the once and for all sacrifice. Now, uh, other cool stuff about the Passover that I thought was neat is, so at the beginning of the meal, they take three pieces of this unleavened bread that are wrapped up together. Three pieces. Again, the unleavened bread represents God. And there's not just one piece of bread, there's three, which I think is really cool because that sort of symbolizes Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And so they take these three pieces of bread, and I would have done this at the beginning of the meal had we been doing an official Seder. Um, they take out the middle one, the second one, second person of the Trinity. They break it, wrap it in a white cloth, and hide it somewhere in the room, okay? So God is broken, wrapped in white cloth, and hidden or buried. So again, foreshadowing Jesus, the death, the fact that Jesus was literally wrapped in a white cloth, as was the common burial practice of the day, and then he was hidden. And then at the end of the meal, the afikoman is revealed. It's brought back. The afikoman is the name of this thing, um, the second piece of bread. And afikoman means the coming one what it actually means. And so they take the second piece of bread, the coming one, they break it, wrap it in white cloth, and hide it. And then, at the end of the meal, which is now, the kids have to go find it. So somewhere in this room is hidden a white cloth with some bread in it. One of the pitas from tonight? So do you think you can go find it? Okay, go look. It's not hidden super hard. I've had to move it four times. <laughs> because there's more people here. So the kids, they go and they find it. 
and bring it back. And so then the Afikoman, the coming one is revealed, and that sort of represents uh, the resurrection. Because Jesus died, he's buried, and then at the end of the meal, you bring it back. Uh, you're getting colder. It's up this way. Do you want a hint? Pillow. Pillow. The hint is the word pillow. The hint is the word pillow. Did you find it? Good job, Kaylee is the winner. Yay. Now, the child who finds it gets a prize. So you can have like an extra peep or something when we're done. How's that sound? Does that sound good? I'll give you some of it in a minute, okay? Is that, is that satisfactory? And so uh, you go and you find the Afikoma and you bring it back. And that is what happens during the Passover meal. And then the last thing that you do in the Passover meal is after the Afikoman is revealed, you brought it back, uh, resurrection, you take it out, you break it up into little bits, and you hand it out to everybody and you eat it. So that's part of the Passover meal. Again, a lot like communion, right? And so what Jesus did then is celebrating the Last Supper. At the end of the meal, it says in Scripture, he took the bread, which is referring to this, and he broke it, and then he really did something different, something they had never done before. They had celebrated this every year, and they had never seen this part. He breaks it, and he says, this is my body, which is given for you. In other words, that thing you've celebrated every year of your life, you've been taught the meaning of and all this stuff, this was actually about me. This piece of bread was my body. So I'm going to pass, pass some of this around, take a tiny bit and just pass it. Pass it. <laughs> sure. You can, you can say something. Uh, I was just at uh, kind of an art show, but a, a, a lady that lives in Israel and does artwork. I just knew her and I just went last week. And I received these two pictures, and I was able to use them. I thought I'll go ahead and get it because this is a tiny I'd like you to have a couple of pictures <coughs> of the lamb, and the sacrificial lamb, and then here is the, where you would be sacrificed. You can see. Mm. I'll just pass it around. And then, of course, the, the flat plane uh, is significant. Yes. Uh, well, both of these are. I mean, yes. in... Um, in the Mishnah, we read that the, the birthplace of the Passover lambs was Bethlehem. Okay. They were born in Bethlehem and brought up into the city, and then five days before Passover, the lamb that was chosen was brought into the city. Okay? And as we know, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, yeah. and he came into the city on what we call Palm Sunday, which was yeah. five days before the Passover. So the exact same time the Passover lamb for the ceremony was coming, and so was Jesus, the true lamb of God. Oh. And the thing with the trumpet, yeah. on Passover... At 3 o'clock, which is the ninth hour by their reckoning, the priest would blow the shofar, which represented the fact that the sacrifice had just been made for the Passover. And according to Luke 23, that is when Jesus died. 
Jesus was on the cross, and it said he was on the cross from the third hour till about the ninth hour. And then he cried out with a loud voice after the ninth hour, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it is finished, and then he died. So right when the Passover lamb was being killed, the true Passover lamb was also being killed for us for all. It's pretty cool. There's tons of cool connections like that between the Passovers especially and uh, the, the time around the crucifixion and something like 180 different prophecies <laughs> from the Old Testament that, is, that are fulfilled in the arrest, the torture, and the crucifixion of Jesus. So does everybody have a piece? Everybody get one? Did it make it back there? Okay. There's, there's probably more. Yeah, there's some more. That's cool. If anybody else got a little peckish and want another piece, there's a little extra. It's super good, I know. Anybody else need more? Don't be shy. Didn't get any? We need some up here. Okay, so Jesus surprised the disciples by the fact that when they took the bread, when they found it and brought it out, that Afikoman, the coming one, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And then he took the cup of wine, it says. Now, in, anybody know how many cups of wine there were in the Passover service? Anybody know? Nope. Keep going. Nope. Four, somebody didn't say. Four. There were four cups of wine during the Passover Seder. And coincidentally, I think the reason Peter, James, and John fell asleep at midnight and didn't stay up with Jesus is because they just had four glasses of wine. And it's hard to stay up past midnight when you have four glasses of wine. It's not that they didn't love Jesus. It's that they had a lot of wine. So, so don't judge them too harshly. I'm serious. Don't judge them. Um, Jesus only had three of the four. Because at the fourth cup, he said, I'm not going to drink this ever again until I'm in my Father's kingdom with you. But this was the third cup, okay? So this is the normal, again, procedure for the Passover dinner. They took the bread, they broke it, they passed it out. He took up the third cup. Now, each of the cups of wine in the service have a name. They're each called something. And in English, the third cup is called the cup of redemption. And in Hebrew, anybody know? It's called the Yeshua cup. Now, Yeshua means savior or redemption. And so the third cup of the Passover is what Jesus picks up. It's called the Yeshua cup. Now, what's Jesus' name in Hebrew? Yeshua. Okay? So he already did something different here. And he said, that bread is me. This is my body, which is given for you. He's the bread of life, he had already said past. And so their wheels are starting to turn, and they're like, what's going on here? This is different. We're already breaking the rules, having it on a different day. Now you're telling us other stuff. They see him pick up the Yeshua cup, and there's Yeshua holding the Yeshua cup. And I think they're on the edge of their seats at this point, saying, what in the world is going on? Okay? They were supposed to, he was supposed to just pray, and they all drink. Okay? They prayed the typical Hebrew prayer. Uh, Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit in its season, I believe is a prayer before this cup, except in Hebrew. And instead, he says this. Again, after saying, this is my body given for you, he, he takes the cup and he says, this is my blood. For the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so this is where we get the communion service from. It's taken from the Passover that Jesus altered and changed in order to bring us into the new covenant. He said, this is my body given for you, and this cup is my blood for the new covenant. So he's instituting a new covenant now 
in his own blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And the Bible tells us that the purpose of the Lord's Supper is to continue to remember Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us. Jesus said, do this to remember me. Okay? So we remember the Lord and the sacrifice that he made. And also, Paul says, we do this to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's take the, the bread and wine together now, and let's do that. Let's remember Jesus' sacrifice for us and proclaim his death until he comes. And I gave you a little more wine than you're probably used to at communion. It would have been a lot more, except we had a lot more people than we thought tonight. Um, which was, again, intentional, because communion wasn't instituted as a ritual so much as it was part of a celebration that they had all the time. They're just drinking bread, they're eating wine. I think the early church, probably every day, the, the other way, there wasn't Guinness at that, in that part of the world yet. Um, that was an Egyptian thing. Um, uh, so... Um, I think they probably did this pretty much every meal. Because for a Jew, you have bread and wine basically every single meal that you eat. And so I think pretty much every time they had bread and wine, they remembered the Lord. They remembered the sacrifice Jesus made for them. And they proclaimed his death until he came. For us, it sort of became um, a ritual thing. And I think in a lot of ways lost its meaning and lost the, the grace and I think the impartation of the Holy Spirit that comes through communion. Um, and so hopefully that gives you a little more background. So next time even you take communion, maybe we can think about the Last Supper, think about what the Lord did. And now he gave us a new covenant that changed everything. He just rewrote their entire history. He rewrote their entire religious experience at that moment and said, this is going to be different now from this day. And then the next day was the actual Passover, where, of course, he died as the Passover lamb, the once and for all sacrifice, so that no more sacrifices ever need to be made. Andrew, do you have a question? Okay. Just playing with the sheet. That's fine. Anybody have any thoughts? Any questions on this stuff? Yeah, Spen. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to that. He was saying that um, original meaning of, yes, the, the original meaning of the word sacrament, of which this is, is to swear allegiance to someone. And I think that's true. <coughs> Excuse me. When Jesus instituted this, I don't think he was trying to institute a ritual that we would follow not really knowing what we were doing. He was basically setting up his own memorial and a way, I think, to pledge allegiance. Jesus didn't want a memorial made out of marble and gold that people would go and worship, because that's not what he's about. But he did want us to remember him. And I think it's really cool that the way Jesus decided to make a memorial was to do it in fellowship, in family, with friends. That's the way he wanted his memorial to be. That's the way he wanted to be remembered. Not as a picture somewhere, not as a, not as a statue somewhere, or or a big pile of rocks, or the other ways that people did things back then, including in the Bible. But he wanted it to be done at a family dinner. He wanted it to be done with friends. And part of it, especially back then, this sort of custom, 
when you remember someone, you pledge allegiance to someone, that sort of thing, um, often involved alcohol. You know, Norse tradition would be you'd spill a little out on the ground in honor of the other person. I'm not going to do that here. Um, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> we could pray for the stain removal. But, um, and so I think that it's a combination of both. It's, it's a way to memorialize Jesus, but also it says, Paul says, we proclaim his death until he comes. And so I think this, kinda, this sort of action is, it's like a pledge. It's also an act of humility to take bread and wine, believing that it's somehow the body and blood of Christ. How does that even work? I don't understand. It's a mystery, right? And so there's humility there because we don't understand what in the world that means. But what we do know is that we just took the body and blood of the Lord Jesus into our body. And I think that has repercussions for physical healing. I think that has repercussions for a lot of things. You know, Luther and everybody else <laughs> back then believed that communion was a means of grace, a means by which God gives us a special grace. And I personally believe that that's true. Because anytime you obey Jesus, you get grace. Right? And when Jesus tells you to do something, you do it, he gives you grace. That's just how it works. But something like this, which is very special, I want you to memorialize me. I want you to remember me. Don't forget me. Okay? I think this is a special request. But when we honor it, I think there is a special kind of grace. Um, so that's what I think. Anybody else have any thoughts? I'm still drinking my community. Mm -hmm. Yep. The, the elements themselves are very significant. First of all, bread and wine are just about the most common things you can get back then. Everybody had bread and wine. So this was for poor and rich alike. Okay? The way to memorialize Jesus was not to build a big gold statue, to do all the other things people did for the Caesars or for other gods. It wasn't to buy a giant herd, head of cattle, the biggest cow you could find, and sacrifice it to Jupiter. It wasn't the way they did it. It was something everybody could do. Everybody's got some bread and some wine. And it wasn't a specific kind of wine or a specific kind of bread. Now, they most likely used unleavened bread. But again, it wasn't super legalistic in, in how it was set up. Also, bread and wine is very significant in the Old Testament, even apart from the Passover, which we just talked about, the significance at the Passover meal itself. But bread and wine were the two things that were continually before the presence of the Lord on the altar in the temple. In the holy place, there was an altar that always had bread and wine. Again, symbolizing communion from way back when. The bread is called the bread of the presence, which is why bread is always a type for the presence of God in, in the Bible, Old Testament and New. Which is why Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. That refers to the presence of God. I think communion has the presence of God for multiple reasons. Um, and when, when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, that's more than just asking for food. That's asking for the presence of God for today in our lives. But I could go on about that forever. So bread and wine is significant. The fact that it's common, I think, is very important as well um, because he wanted everybody to be able to do this because he wasn't setting up a special club. Andrew, do you have a question? Louder? You can do it tonight if you want. Let's wait just a minute and we'll do that, okay? Anybody else? Well, I was just thinking how wine is, like you were saying, something common. Uh, it, they say, you know, alcohol kills 
Yeah, matzo was very crackery. And I think the, the joyful aspect is definitely a part of it. Um, throughout the Old Testament, God commanded wine to be given to him as a sacrifice. And he also commanded people to drink wine in various feasts and various ceremonies. So wine was very important. Alcohol was very important in the day. And one of the ways that you fasted to the Lord was to fast wine, which was a huge sacrifice since it was hard to drink water back then. Another way to fast was to fast strong drink. And the only purpose of strong drink is pleasure because you don't need it. <laughs> you don't need whiskey to live, right? But it's fun and people like it. And another way to fast would be to fast strong drink because then you fast the pleasure of it and you're giving that up. Um, and that's one way to fast, which we as Americans I think can do. A few people, I was talking about fasting to a few of you tonight. And some of you are like, it's, it's just too hard. I can't do it. can't go without food. Well, one way that you can fast is to fast from the pleasure of food, like they fasted from strong drink. And so, for example, if you're like, I can't skip lunch. I just can't do it. I'll get headaches. I'll faint, whatever. Okay. How about you pack yourself a lunch of, like, rice and beans and cottage cheese or something like that? Something that gives you the nutrition but isn't fun in any way. Now, I love cottage cheese, so that wouldn't work for me. But, like, for somebody else, it's like, this, this will count as a meal for nutrition. I won't get the headaches. I won't get sick but I'm sacrificing all of the pleasure of food from this meal. And that's a type of fast too. So for those of you who do have a hard time fasting the food, that's something to pray and consider. You could also fast strong drink um, or something else like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good one, especially for people our age. Media fasts can be a lot more sacrificial than fasting food. You might get a headache. Yeah. Well, they might get less of a headache from not staring at a screen for seven hours a day. All right, so let's um, let's pray. Let's pray, and we'll close out this uh, this Passover, this this communion celebration, and then Andrew is going to tell us about the resurrection. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you thought of Jesus from the beginning. It says in Peter that before the foundation of the world, Christ was crucified. That means that way back before you even started the earth, you, God, were talking to God yourself and said, let's make a man in our own image. And then you said, well, that means he has to love. Yep, that means he has to have free will. Yep, that means he's going to turn against us. Yep. And then Jesus volunteers and says, I'll go down and I'll redeem man when that happens. And that's what the Bible means. That from Before the foundation of the world was even started, Christ was crucified. That decision was already made. Jesus already volunteered to come and to be our sacrificial lamb. And we thank you, Lord, that you did that. We thank you that way back during the Passover, during all these other things in the Old Testament, that you were pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus in everything that happened. And we thank you, Lord, that when you came, you fulfilled every mission, every prophecy, and everything you were supposed to do. We thank you, Lord, that you succeeded on the cross for us. We thank you that you were our perfect sacrificial lamb. 
and that on you, God the Father, put the sins of all mankind forever, the curse and judgment associated with those sins. We thank you, Lord, that you became the sacrifice for us so that we don't have to be judged on the last day. But instead, we can be a part of your family. We can be adopted into your family and become your brother as well as your servant. We praise you, Lord, for all these incredible things that we can only barely understand. Honestly, probably don't even fully understand it at all. But we praise you for it, that you are so awesome, that you have everything thought out. You are not surprised by what happens. And we thank you that you have everything thought out for our lives, our situation, our nation, and our city right now. That you already have a plan to end the racial violence and bring reconciliation. You have a a plan to save all the Muslim immigrants who are coming into this country, which I believe is your will because you brought them here so that they could hear your message. It is so hard to hear back there. And so we thank you for sending them. We thank you that you are so far above us, that your ways are so far above our ways, that you are just so darn smart. And we admit we are not. And we give ourselves to you and over this, uh, this resurrection season, as we celebrate your sacrificial death tomorrow and wait for you uh, to remember your resurrection, I ask that you would speak to us and give us revelation over the next few days of what that sacrifice means to us, of what your sacrifice means in our life and for our situations right now. We thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Andrew, why don't you come up here? We're going to get a preview of Sunday morning now. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord of Going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes was white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. Um, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I know you, you for I know you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just like he said. Oh Come and see the place where he lay. Then go tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Amen. Good job. Good job, buddy. So there's a teaser trailer for Resurrection Sunday. Spoiler alert, he doesn't stay dead, folks. All right, feel free to stay. There's more food.
talk. If anybody needs prayer, pray for each other. Um, let's hang out, fellowship, for as long as you want. Eat some more food. I'm going to turn the mic off and then let her talk into it. Oh, and if you want to help clean up and move some stuff around, that would be sweet, too. <laughs>